Rachel and I are glad that you decided to join us again. Last podcast, we started with healthcare perspectives. It was the health tech perspective from a physician standpoint. We encourage you to go take a listen to that podcast. Today, Rachel and I would like to talk about another perspective, and that is not necessarily the physicians, but all the providers, the ancillary providers, the manufacturers, the folks that are basically incumbent on the ordering physician, if you will, when he or she orders something Mm -hmm. to get that other group involved in the care of a patient. So we'd like to start off the podcast by just talking about the various different groups that are involved in that. And Rachel, when I was thinking about it prior to the podcast, I remember my uncle, who was an oral surgeon, he, especially during Christmas time, boy, he wanted to go to his house for Christmas because he had all these baskets from all the doctors, right? Because that community really did, it was, in, in today's world, they were networking with each other. Yeah, they were very supportive. He relied on basically the dentist in the community to feed him patients for oral surgery and, mm-hmm. and the like. So when you think about the old school way, just within the medical community of these physicians interacting with each other at the hospital, at the country club, in the hallways, and they're getting to know each other and they're starting to refer to one another. So I just, I don't know why, but that just kind of hit me. And I'm sure that takes place today, but I'd just love to get your perspective on how that's taking place today. I definitely think that takes place today. I think it's probably a little bit waning because And as we talked about last time, the burden of the physician is so strong. I mean, they're being asked to do so many things. And the sales representative, you know, the almighty sales representative who goes into the physician's office to educate them on the new service or procedure or pharmaceutical, you know, those relationships are becoming not as strong right now because of the physician's time. And they just can't dedicate a couple of minutes a few times a week to these sales representatives so that they can learn about what's new and coming or have questions and talk about that. But I remember from my time in pharmaceuticals, you had some really strong connections there where there was a level of trust and they had feedback and they had like an open dialogue where the physician can ask the manufacturer or the service provider questions and follow the patient throughout their journey. And so that happens today, but I think it's not like how it used to be in the past. So, you know, to the detriment of, I think, many people in this, in the cycle. Yeah, because I started in pharmaceutical sales also, right, back in the day. And and what was your product, Perry? What was your product? Well, two major ones was Nicorette, the smoking cessation gum, if you remember that one. Yeah. We launched that. Very important. And then antihistamine Seldane, which never, well, it was doing great, but then it went away. But (laughs) I was a Marion Merrill Dow Pharmaceuticals back in the day. Nice. So... But you're right. We we would the representatives would go in there, engage with the physicians, and then you did see it. And this is happening over the years. Much more difficult for the pharmaceutical manufacturers to engage with the physicians mm-hmm. directly through the reps. It's still being done. Yeah. But then they started looking at different ways to really 
protect that relationship with the physicians, right? From a pharmaceutical manufacturer. So I remember, you know, when the monitors were being put up into the physician's offices, remember that? Mm -hmm. For all educational purposes. And then, of course, they had the advertising for whatever drug it was or Mm -hmm. that took place. And then over the years, the pharmaceutical manufacturers done a great job with providing services around their drugs. So to make it more efficient and easier for the physicians and the patients to Mm -hmm. get access to the drugs. Yeah. And a lot of that was around technology that there's now apps in place or there's patient assistance centers that people can go to. So, you know, technology has helped that kind of relationship and be a conduit to accomplishing what they want to. But you know, it has had a detriment where there's less face time. There's probably less of that connection and where you had a really strong affiliation to a product or a company or a corporation, less so now, which good or bad, I think that's that's the way healthcare is going. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, we've moved from companies communicating with physicians and providing access from fax machines, which is still being done. Still being done but to more of a portal. And then now the integration within the physician's EMR, if you will, to help them understand and make it easier for them to orders, to make orders. Right. That's a good evolution to, if, you, if you think about it. From a physician standpoint, though, technology has played a significant role in the way that they're engaging not only with their patients, but right. also with the ancillary providers that we're talking about. Yeah, no, I think that that makes a lot of sense. So physicians, you know, the technology that the, you know, kind of the manufacturers and everything that's put in place can help the physician accomplish their day and prepare for their patient visit. Like, so I'm going to have Rachel, who's is in her first semester of pregnancy, and then you're going to order some testing for her just to make sure the fetal health is strong. And so we prepare for that in advance. And like physicians can almost do their pre-call planning, like from your sales days of, you know, kind of their pre-patient visit. What are we going to do with this patient? And so we can have some of these orders brought up and have a conversation so that we can then have a successful first visit. And then it involve different services that the physicians are utilizing, whether it's a laboratory for lab testing or Mm -hmm. sending the patient out to get some imaging done Mm -hmm. and things of that nature, lab testing, there's still laboratory representatives working with the physicians to make sure that he or she is sending the test to their laboratories. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what's interesting is, is that even the test requisition form, so you would think the ordering of these tests should be digitized at least, right? But as you know, the majority, and it really is over 50%, is still on a test requisition form, paper form, in which they're filling it out. They're filling it out and they're, because I, I see those boxes for Quest and LabCorp because they physically have to get the sample to someone. So why not put that paper in there? Yeah, that's right. I'll I'll just put the test requisition form in with the sample and send it up on its merry way. I mean, to me, that almost feels natural because, you know, am I going to trust that electronic test requisition form? Is it really going to get there? And then is it going to marry up with my patient sample? As a physician, I would be like, oh, well, let's even do it twice. So, (laughs) you know, just the bad way to do it. Yeah. 
maybe that's what's happening. <laughs> they're, they're doing it twice, right? So the lab is getting, I got two orders, you know, one electronic, one to, came with a sample. So run it. Oh my gosh. That, that's, that's why I'm not a physician. So I would, yeah, I, I would definitely mess up the workflow. But yeah, no, I think from, you know, looking in the future from a test manufacturer, I would want that test rec to be electronic because then I could ingest it, get it or anticipate the sample is is coming and get ready for it, run the benefits and then even have that, you know, kind of conduit to get the results back to the physician. So in, in the time appropriate manner, because these samples, they're, they don't last forever. So time is of the essence. CareViso's platform solutions create healthcare transparency and access in real time for the healthcare industry, including providers, service providers, payers, and patients. Our solutions navigate the complexities of healthcare, creating innovative technologies that improve the patient care experience. If this sounds like a tool you'd like to learn more about, please contact us at careviso.com. That's C-A-R-E-V-I-S-O.com. You think back at the relationship between the physician and with the labs, and it's really changed over time. So I just had a, a recent doctor's visit and they were suggesting they just go downstairs to the laboratory. And I could have, it would have been right. easier, yeah. but the reality is for my insurance, that would not have been in network. Right. And even if it was in network, the cost to me and to everybody else involved probably would have been significantly higher uh, than if I would have just gone to, you know, the preferred laboratory right. for whatever the insurance. But I mean, that takes away the the options, if mm -hmm. you will. And for a physician to know that he or she, they, they can't no, know that. No, they just want you to get treated and to complete your treatment pathway. So you're here for the visit. You know, they saw you at a pinpoint in time. They want to get those labs done at that pinpoint to make sure that you a first get them and two that they've seen you and be like, okay, Perry, this is your, your complete picture for your patient health. Then that's what the physician really should be thinking about is from a cost perspective, that isn't their number one priority, but it's right. very important in, in the age of healthcare, because I think for some insurance plans out there, there's not even out of network benefits. That's right. So from a patient, if, if, my physician tells me to go downstairs and it's an out of network. You know, I may be paying four or $500 for a standard lab panel. Right. Yeah. And, and you think about it then where a lot of the physicians are now owned by health systems in larger groups in which the institution is now has the practice and they also have, we'll call it the ancillary services. So it's kind of like, okay, well, be sure to send it to this MRI mm -hmm. group or this suite, surgical suite, right? Because it's all in the family. Right. Basically, it's all under one umbrella that may be best for the institution, but may not be best for me as a patient or even under the health plan's coverage, you know, for the network. Yeah, and I think from a patient perspective, they're not going to research all the things that could potentially happen in their doctor's mm -hmm. appointment that day. I mean, it's enough that they remember they have appointment, what location are they going to, and to bring their insurance card. So I consider that a success. So I don't think the expectation should be that, you know, Perry knows what imaging center is in network when he goes to a standard medical appointment. But it's a lot of complexities. So, I mean, when you take a look at healthcare technology in general, there's a lot of different things that 
technology could assist these ancillary providers, as we're calling mm-hmm. them, right? Whether it's a pharmaceutical manufacturer or laboratory, imaging, surgical suite, whatever. In your opinion, what seems to be working from a technology standpoint for, for those providers? I mean, I think for those providers, I think the EMRs are really working quite well for the providers and the healthcare service providers. There's integration that's going on. So for those people who are working in their EMR day in and day out, I think that is a good thing that, you know, they're able to accomplish and move away from some of the paper that they are burdened with. I think there's also more transparency that is getting discussed. It's probably not a reality yet, but there is a glimmer of hope that, hey, let's open up some of the portals or the the files so that we can see what is actually going on with the health plan and from a patient perspective, what is kind of in and out of network. Like it's a consideration. We don't have, I don't think the knowledge is quite there, but it is starting to become more of a consideration. Yeah. And I think the EMRs and institutions, they've done a good job with the technology part of it, of just getting the nuts and bolts done, if you will. And then on the other extreme, it seems like there's a lot of groups working directly with the patient in helping them. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, there's a huge chasm in between those, right? There's, there's a lot of things that need to take place between the EMR and me getting on an app mm-hmm. as a patient. And I think that's where we're going in the future with our conversations with industry experts is what can technology do or should be able to do in that coordination of that in between those two groups, if you will. Yep. No, no. And making technology more familiar and trusted is where we're hopefully headed. So It's interesting you say trusted, right? <laughs> because then you that runs to, especially with healthcare, right? It's kind of like, well, who's got my information? Should they have mm-hmm. it? And uh, so, yeah, trust. Because we talked about last time we're from the physicians, very trusted between the patient, as it should be, right? The physician is trusted, but it's that trust factor, if you will, in how can technology or can technology build on that trust Mm -hmm. and appropriately help facilitate this coordination of care. No, exactly. There's a lot lot of conversations going on there about AI and AI's role in healthcare and more to come on that. So I, I'm excited so to dig in and to hopefully get to the future. Well, I think the, the coordination and the ability to leverage technology to benefit not all, all stakeholders, right? Whether it's the ordering physician or the group that's receiving a order from that physician, the patient, let's not forget the health plan also. But yeah, even getting, you know, kind of the order form over to the health plan so the health plan knows what's going on with their member. I think that's a big part of it because the health plan is very interested in kind of seeing that that member health and like, hey, is there a flag there where we might need to say, okay, there, there's something going on, member, let's try and get some support to you. So, and that physician and that manufacturer is, is a piece in that. So, so right now they're, they're not talking as well as they could. Yeah. And that lag, right? Because we understand from a health plans perspective, there's a three to four month period of time in which the patient has engaged with the healthcare system, mainly their physician, they're being treated or been diagnosed for something and the health plan doesn't know about it, 
for 90 to 120 days, right. which if you think about it is crazy because what you just said, Rachel, is that from the health plan's perspective, which we can talk next time, mm -hmm. is that it would be important for them to be able to, they already have services to support their members. Absolutely. But if they don't know about it until 120 days, it might literally be too late as far as kind of like, well, they already dealt with that. So now they don't need to, right. to do that. Right. Or it's just that lag of time is important for us to, and, and how can technology or should technology be leveraged and utilized to decrease that lag? Yeah, no, I, I think that, you know, a lot of strides have been made with technology and in other industries and other sectors. And healthcare is one that has been slower to adopt, you know, rightly so. There's a lot of privacy out there, but what is more important than our health? I mean, I would rather have a clearer picture of my health and those around me than knowing what my, you know, music listening preferences were for 2023, which was very important to me. But probably when I look at my health, that should be where I put some of my efforts. It's a great point, right? We have dashboards and we can figure <laughs> out what we did for 2023 in all sorts of areas of our life. But, yep. you know, we cannot do that for our health. Yeah. What's my kidney function? No idea. <laughs> You'll have to find it. Hopefully, if you have like my chart, you have to find it in some PDF. Yes, yes, yes. So, and that's from the patient perspective, we're going to dig into that because, you know, from there, there's, there's some struggles out there for technology. Oh, that's good. Well, good. Okay. Well, I feel like this was a good conversation just of how that coordination of care between the ordering physician and the ancillary providers, including pharmaceutical manufacturers, there's advancements that have been made and there's some issues that we need to still address. And we look forward to seeing how technology can play a role in, or what is its role in that. More to come. Well, thank you, Perry. This has been fun. Absolutely. Always a good time. Thanks, everybody. And we look forward to next podcast. Please join us and we'll delve into patients' role in all this. And then after that, we're going to hit the uh, health plans. Okay. So talk to you all soon. All right. Thanks for joining Health Tech Checkup. You've been listening to Health Tech Checkup. If you like what you've heard, never miss an episode by subscribing to our show in your favorite podcast player. We would appreciate feedback in the form of a rating or a review as well. Until next time.